on this episode of AV Week, the crossroads of digital signage and the AV industry. More investment firms getting involved in AV. And Legrand acquires ConnectTrack. All that and more. Next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 428, recorded Friday, November 1st, 2019. No socks. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. And by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Sure, sound extraordinary. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, his name is George Fournier, and he is from Danker. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Glad to be back. Absolutely. Uh, also with us is uh, Brandy Alvarado. Brandy is from Southern California, Mad Systems, and the chairperson of the Women of Avixa. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you so much. Uh, you two be nice to these other two gentlemen because this is their first time, both of them. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> Gary Wicca. Gary is from LG. Welcome, sir. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And last but not least, Mr. Ron Lewis from AVISPL. Welcome, sir. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, so let's get this started. Uh, first and foremost, um, from our friends over at AV Magazine, an investment firm um, is taking a, a stock in Whitlock. Um, AV Integer Whitlock, which has quote-unquote 20 offices across the U.S., has announced that Marlin Equity Partners is taking a majority stake in the company, providing growth and funding. Uh, George, I'm going to start with you on this. From a, a standpoint of, of more and more investment firms and, and equity partners getting into the industry in general, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, qual- uh, actually, almost quite two years ago now, uh, Highland Partners, uh, led by uh, Rashid Scoff, purchased Biamp. You know, a number of other investment firms uh, and investment banks have gotten in and, in and around, um, whether it's integration firms or or the manufacturing side. What does this say about the industry? Is it is it a maturity thing? Is it a you know good thing that hey you know this this equity partner is getting in and finding value in an AV integrator, or is is this a little bit something a little bit more more dark and nefarious going on? Um. I wouldn't say so much dark and nefarious, but I mean, I've seen the, the pluses and minuses. I would say that on the plus side, they're, you know, these, these equity firms are actually seeing there's money um, to be made. Um, you know, we've, I, we've said for years is that our industry is the most expensive, most um, highest profit industry in the, in the world that nobody knows about, but everybody uses. And you know, the, the, and these companies are starting to realize whether it's on the manufacturing side or on the integrator side, um, there's capabilities and and opportunities out there for that. Um, on the, on the, the flip side to that though, is for the guys and girls who work at the smaller AV integrators that get bought up. Um, occasionally, you know, there are, there are great success stories, uh, success stories for this, but uh, other times you see some niche companies that get bought up by somebody who's not from the industry, and they get 
changed. You know, they, the company I worked for um, probably about a decade ago was one of the premier digital signage and um, uh, AV for retail type of companies in the world. And they got bought up by, by an investment company who brought in a, a marketing guru to run their company. And the marketing guru's speech to the team was, you know, hey, don't worry, we're not going to turn a, turn you into a marketing company. We're going to go out. Um, we we have a unique um, approach to the industry, and we're going to take it to a whole new level. And within six months, you know, the entire technical team was gone. Um, they've they've moved on to other companies in the in the industry, <clears throat> and the actual founders of the company moved on as well because it was no longer about bringing the wow to to retail and the the, the message being um you know that for the for the retailers to to have a co um a cohesive message of everything that through delivered through technology through um state of the art new at the time you know twitter was only about a, a month old at the time um you know different ways of, of delivering message it became all about um marketing and and getting other companies to deliver the message for you and and so then you know for so for us it was i wound up moving on myself um, and it was, it was the end of a dream for that a bunch of us had seen that was, was going to be quite unique. And we wound up beholding to, um, stockholders and, 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 you know, financial sides, which took away from the, the niche part of being a, um, uh, you know, a small startup that was breaking brave new ground in the industry, you know? Yeah. Brandy, uh, George makes a point about you know there there when when different different people sit at the table, uh, there are different concerns, right? Um, and I've had some conversations with some some folks uh, actually from from Control Four about their their recent move. They, they Control Four was a publicly traded company, so they had stockholders, and now they're not. They were purchased by 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 Snap AV, and and the the changes within the culture, the changes within the decision making process, all of that absolutely changes. When the people financing financing the the, the endeavor change, uh, talk for a second about not only just from from the consumer side, but also from maybe the, the competitor side and the client side. You know the things that folks have to do within a company to yes, absolutely make sure the folks that are that are signing the paychecks, as it were, um, you know, are happy, but also make sure that your clients are still taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big thing because bottom line. Without your clients, you don't have a bottom line. <laughs> so you've got to take care of them. Um, but I also think that, you know, um, you have to also take care of your employees. And um, a private equity firm or, you know, another type of um, acquisition type of firm that are coming in and, and buying these companies, you know, there's definitely pros and cons, like George said. And I think some of the things that are, you know, in my mind, definitely a pro is that, you know, I've been through acquisitions and one of the sort of the nicer things is, you know, you have a better benefit pool, you know, you get richer health benefits and, and things to that nature sometimes. Um, you know, you get a more integrated payroll system or HR system that, you know, is more cohesive and across the, the board, you know, so things like that are very, um, very much an internal um, kind of benefit for, for folks at a company. And then, you know, I just, I think that these private equity firms um, historically just add more value, not only 
you know, profitability, but they add um, a layer that um, a lot of these smaller firms are, are missing. And certainly, you know, Whitlock is not a small firm, but I think if we're speaking to smaller integration firms, it definitely adds a layer that a lot of these firms um, might not necessarily have for their, um, for their staff. And then, you know, when you're taking care of your staff, those staff members are really taking care of the customer. So, I mean, that's really kind of the bottom line and can go out and do, um, I think, a better job and feel more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, Gary, when you start looking at, at, you know, your clients, which are your, your direct clients or the other integrators and, and the, the, the folks that are putting these things in, how much of a change or does it really change at all the, your guys' interaction, you know, depending on kind of who owns them and, and who's, who's the back end of that? Well, I, I think at the, at the very, you know, beginning, you'll take a look at it. I don't think there's a whole lot of change. Um, from a manufacturer standpoint, working with the different integrators and, and partners, uh, usually the, everything is going to be pretty straightforward. You have seen, I, I think you've had both Brandy and George mention, changes that happen later on. And I think that's the case for us as well. Uh, when you say, you know, do we have different dealings? Do we have different programs, et cetera? Absolutely. But I think there's a, you know, some benefits that come on that on both sides. And as we think about, first and foremost, seeing this type of, of you know, private equity and, and just acquisitions going on in the market within this area, I think it's a really good sign for this business. I mean, if there wasn't a profit to be made, you wouldn't see the, these types of deals happening. I think long run, you know, as those, you know, start to say, well, how do we exit or how do we, you know, again, turn this, um, that changes some of the dynamics. And I think in those cases, we have seen some changes happen. Um, I can't really say that we've ever seen anything negative really come through where, gosh, we stopped doing business with someone because of the, uh, the acquisition or because of the, uh, the private equity firm coming in. Um, but it definitely, you know, can change the dynamics uh, within the organization. And then I think, as George mentioned, you know, you do have certain people that, that leave and that, you know, you have to build new relationships and you do have to have some of those challenges that pop up. But otherwise, I would say things are, are pretty much straightforward for us on our side. Yeah. Ron, I'm going to pick on you on, on the last one here. AVISPL uh, is the biggest AVA integrator in the world. Uh, is financed in the, in the back end by an investment firm, uh, investment bank. Um, the SCN 50, uh, the, 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 um, the uh, uh, applications for those were, were just finalized this last week. I don't know anything, so don't, you know, this is not me speaking out of school. I would put good money, though, that you guys are still number one. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. And, and the differences between working for a company that is, rather big, right? Again, ABISPL is the biggest in the world versus working for someone uh, who is either local or, or, or regional uh, when it comes to, you know, the, the differences in decision-making and, and, and uh, you know, kind of the company culture. No, absolutely. The, um, I was obviously started with SPL back in 2006 and uh, you know, and then during the, uh, the, the merger with, with AVI and, and Silver Lake and then, and now with HIG, um, a lot of changes, obviously, but the, the, the biggest impact was, um, you know, I always liken it to, you know, the boots on the ground, the folks that don't, uh, that don't see all the inner workings. It's, it's almost like the furnace room. You don't know that it's running, but if the uh, temperature's not quite right in the room, you can certainly feel it. 
but the the influx of the obviously the capital to do some additional things as far as um, I think Randy even mentioned just some benefits for the employees themselves. But I think of some of the um, the growth of the the employees from a training standpoint, right? Being able to being able to leverage. Um, that that those monies and that sort of thing that, that really bring the competence level up of, of the groups um, is makes makes the big difference right so you know at AVSPL we've always talked about core competencies and not not going beyond that trying to stay within those core competencies and build that um, but it but having that influx of capital is obviously there the downfall again is is change um, change is, uh, is, is not a four letter word, but it, it seems like it, uh, most, mo- most people see it is that way. But I think with some of that, it's really all about, again, bringing that AV, the, the, the family atmosphere, even though AV feel is big, it's still, you know, it's not a Tyco. Um, you know, I talked to, to, uh, folks that I interview that, that want to come in all the time, but, uh, just really being a part of, again, core values with the and with the influx, you're you're able to take care of the employees and really kind of that 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 sustained growth strategy as you go really really does make a huge impact huge huge impact. And, and correct me if I'm wrong because the the folks the, I, I know different folks at, at, at ABISPL in different offices. Uh, my sense, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on this, Ron, is one of the ways that 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 you guys have able to kind of foster that family atmosphere. Are the regional officers right? Are are the you know the the Tampa office uh, has has a, a family atmosphere and, and as well as the Chicago office, which is a different atmosphere, right? Different yes, folks, different people, but it's the same type of atmosphere. Um, it's it's a completely different feel, maybe necessarily, but but it, it's it's the Chicago family, right? It's the Tampa family, but you guys are all a part of the whole too. Yeah, it's the res- it's really the respect for the regional difference. I, I believe, um, you know, foundationally again, core values, foundational aspects of whether it be engineering, project management, whatever that is, we really kind of stick to that because the is you know it's mentioned before in the call that clients expect some of that same touch, that same feel. It doesn't matter. The accent is different on the end of the line, but but the, the delivery and the satisfaction needs to be there. But each office really takes on its own culture um, in that, uh, you know, a lot of different things that we do, even externally uh, with folks from uh, from the community uh, aspect of community building, that sort of thing. Um, but it's really interesting uh, because we still it's still it's that it's the fine line of we need to do it in a similar manner consistent manner but we still need to appreciate the fact that new york is different than san diego and then chicago than frankfurt um but it is truly i mean you go into the office and you you can sense that from both a corporate standpoint as well as local and it's a nice feel yeah i'm not going to comment on this the uh the, the um uh accent of the chicago uh, area <laughs> But they are at least Bears fans, so I appreciate that. All right, uh, <laughs> someone has to be right. Someone has to, be. brother. We all have, yeah. Someone, we all have our crosses to bear. Uh, <laughs> um, they're also Cubs fan, but that's a whole other another thing to talk about as, as a St. Louis boy. So, um, uh, next story comes to us from uh, our friends over at Sound of Communications. Legrand has purchased and acquired Connect Track uh, LNCA. Real quickly, uh, a number of Legrand brands are underwriters of of Aviations. We have four of them, not Legrand as a whole, but but four of their of their companies. Um, if you're not familiar with Connect Track, Connect Track came out in 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. And it's an interesting 
uh, device. It, it basically allows you to do cable runs uh, under tables and under, under desks without doing core drilling. Um, and a number of manufacturers have utilized their product. They've, they've OEM'd it uh, for some folks, and now Legrand uh, uh, owns them outright. How that's going to work, I'm not quite sure yet, and I don't know if everybody knows quite how that's going to, to play out and shake out. But it's another addition to Legrand's kind of overarching infrastructure uh, set up here. Brandy, I want to start with you on, on this. This is a, an interesting ac acquisition, but the more I, I delved into it, it made a whole lot of sense. And I didn't know this. Uh, ConnectTrack was actually founded by an architect, uh, Clint Strong uh, and, and Desiree, uh, Desiree uh, Edwards uh, in, in 2004, 2005. I, that right there is interesting to me, the fact that this, this DNA of this product comes from the architecture world. Right, comes from someone who saw a problem in an in, in everyday instance and said, okay, you know, I, I can do this, I can design this. Um, talk for a second about the fact that this is coming from a, not quite an end user, right? So it's someone who's, who's intimately involved in, in the construction process, but comes to this and says, you know what, we, we can make this. And then Legrand steps back and says, this right now is, is part of our whole kind of offering to the construction community now. Yeah. I mean, kudos to, you know, them for developing a product that is definitely something, you know, needed much more on the front line of things than on the, you know, sort of the end of the build cycle. Um, we've all seen those lovely AV fails and, you know, wires popping out of everywhere. That's just, you know, it's like a gut punch to all of us in the, in the industry when you see that kind of stuff. So honestly, I mean, it makes sense to me that an architect firm would have developed this and, and you know, brought, brought it to market. But kudos to Legrand for, you know, for buying up this company and, and adding it to their book of business because, honestly, that just rounds out, um, you know, a lot of the things and aligns a lot of the different um, divisions that they sort of have now under their umbrella. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Gary, talk for a second from a manufacturer standpoint of, of wrapping a, a new brand and a new product or a new company into yours, right? So this is somebody that you guys, I'm not saying, look, you know, LG, but, but as, as a manufacturer, you guys kind of wrapping somebody up and making them your own, right? And, and then, you know, kind of making sure that, that they are, in your case, you know, an LG through and through and then bringing them, bringing them to market. How does that process work? Sure. Um, well, you know, I can give you a good example. Uh, you know, I think everyone's familiar uh, with WebOS mm -hmm. and kind of where WebOS started uh, from Palm, went to HP, and then got picked up by LG. But as you take a look at it and you think about acquisitions, you know, from a manufacturer standpoint, and I believe probably what Legrand's looking at as well, is when we think about areas that we're going to tackle, it really it's kind of focused on that end user as you're thinking about what's important to help them meet their needs. So when we think about that, that's kind of that first lens that kind of comes in. And then I think what you, you do is you're kind of going through that to ensure that you don't lose the uh, brand identity or, you know, the people that come along with that acquisition. You've got to have a pretty good integration plan. And so change management, I think uh, Ron mentioned that as well, change is being a, a tough one to, to challenge. You know, we had a you know, group that from Palm that had gone to HP and then had come to LG and they were all sitting in, you know, a separate office, weren't integrated uh, early on. And that was a big focus of LG to understand and say, hey, let's bring that in. Let's make sure that those groups are really part of that core team. And then when you look at that, ensuring that that technology doesn't just, you know, die or, or just kind of, you know, stay out on the vine too long. The thing that we did 
really well is in looking at all the different businesses of where that acquisition can come in. So I think these are really important things as you start looking at it. You know, they're going to have some challenges, of, of course. I know LeGrand's gone through quite a few acquisitions over the past few years, um, you know, from, from Milestone and, and coming on with this new one. But if you really kind of get an essence, it makes sense for them. I think Brandy just hit on that. It hits their portfolio. They've got a pretty good strategy of where they want to go, and it makes sense. And I, I think when those ones really make sense and it really adds value to their end users, those are the ones that will be most successful and can kind of fit in easier. Uh, Ron, uh, as 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 the integrator here, you you know, um, what do you guys look at when you see an acquisition like this? And whether you're familiar with Connect Track or not, uh, one of your vendors comes to you and says, you know, hey, we have this new thing. You know, what what's the process of of evaluating that new thing or that new uh, acquisition, and whether or not it makes sense to integrate it into your guys' portfolio? Yeah, I think that's a big portion of it is really just kind of sit back and say, well, you know, does it exist? And what's the portfolio of everything that we're, we consistently use and we've tested and, and, and proven through. And then sometimes it's really, you look at some of the acquisitions that happen. It's the, you'll hear from the design engineer say that this was the obvious, we've been asking for this for a while, uh, but it's really just kind of back to, again, what are we, what is it really truly used for testing, um, making sure that it, Again, is it better or worse than something else? Um, but really kind of putting it through, through its paces. So I think that the between the integrator and, and the manufacturer, that the relationship is just so critical in that, you know, maybe you don't have the heads up of what's coming up, but but it's really just back to, you know, you hear voice of the customer a lot. Um, the 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 uh, Those relationships between ABSPL, the other integrators and the manufacturers are just so critical. Um, that it's really just about having those conversations and really just kind of run it through its paces. And I think the manufacturers do a really nice job of working with uh, with AVISPL to really truly say, hey, this is what it is, but this is the benefit around it, right? Yeah. Uh, George, uh, you work for Denker, a, a furniture company. Uh, you are the, mm-hmm. the AV part of that. Talk for a second about a, a, a product like this and you, similar products that you know there's a reason the grant added it to their to their portfolio because it, it, it kind of uh you know adds to the whole of theirs but when you guys find something that just kind of fits in you know fits a niche and and just kind of works you know how do you guys incorporate that into some of your designs and, and your per, your uh perspectives sure um well the grand in their purchase of wire mold they actually had a trackway system uh, previously, that that did something along the same lines as ConnectTrack. They're actually um, pretty much, you know, in competition with them for that that part of the market. Um, but it was it wasn't from the furniture side or from the interior design part of the world. It was very clunky to look at. It was not a finished type of solution. It didn't. It wasn't elegant. Um, now we have. Um, Connect track has a lot of solutions that for our world where you're using sit stand desks and we have open architecture type offices and, and all that stuff. It, it's um, their track system was, was a little bit more acceptable and a little less painless um, uh, uh, or painful, I should say not painless um, to, to use, especially when it was an add on at the end oh, shoot, we forgot how to get power out to these 12 desks. How are we going to do that? You can order a track, run it in, cut the carpet, drop this thing in, and, and be ready to go. Um, and you can get power and data out there. So having these types of solutions is is something that Danker looks at of having, you know, 
several approved vendors of, hey, these are the, these are our go-to guys for these types of solutions. Um, you know, we're the ones that that from an old AV guy looking at it, you know, this was stuff we didn't think about until later on, where we're at the front end now talking about the furniture that's going in there, how it's going to integrate with the furniture, how it's going to look for the overall look of the room, the whole overall use of the room. So now you start looking at solutions like ConnectTrack. Um, FSR has a version of it that they've come out with as well that fits into that type of, of mold where it matches the furniture. It goes with the carpet. It goes with, you know, it, it, it's, it's a little, little change in mindset for me to go with, but now it's also, Hey, you know, for huddle solutions, how we're getting power and data out there. A lot of things are wireless. So we don't have as much wire running out to each spot for, for data and for video and that type of stuff, but you still got to remember how on um, that you can package together with everybody else to, you know, Legrand is offering that, you know, all shopping in one place type of solution for some of this stuff, which appeals to some people. But um, in other, in other cases, it's, you know what, your, your pricing structure now is, is something that comes into, into effect. And, and so it's like, yeah, it's, it's the solution we want to go with. But um, when I package that all together with the several of their other lines, I'm not qualifying to get best tier pricing that AVI SPL might be getting or somebody else who, who has, you know, um, who may be, have more power to, to negotiate with these guys. And so that, that's that little area that becomes part of, uh, uh, the conversation that we have to really think about when these like the grand and some of these guys are, are purchasing up these companies. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Uh, last story here comes to us uh, from our friends over at uh, AV Network and SC. And uh, DSF is holding a, a Nashville meet and greet uh, is coming your way. Um, the event itself is December 5th uh, in Nashville. DSF, if you're not familiar, is the Digital Signage Federation. Uh, November is kind of Digital Signage Month for us here at AV Nation. We're actually doing a, a, a webinar in a couple of weeks about the dynamic uh, data uh, with, that can dynamically change and, and serve up interesting uh, and new content for digital signage. I'm excited about that because uh, not only uh, do I have some really smart people and I'm not one of those three, um, but the very next week, I actually get to go uh, hang out in Atlanta and see one of these uh, real-world uh, retail environments where they're doing this. It's really, really cool. Uh, Gary, I want to start with you on this. Uh, whether it's DSF or it's you know, we, 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 you and I were both in, in New York a couple weeks ago for New York Digital Signage Week, the, the state of digital signage and the interaction, the intersection with the AV industry, where are we at with that as more integrators kind of look at digital signage as as a as another vertical for them to get into. Oh goodness! All right. Well, I, I think there's a lot to to say here, but I'll try to keep it uh, short and simple. Uh, you know, when we look at this, I think the uh, you know integration, digital signage, and what's going on in the you know overall AV industry. Uh, I, I think that it's been you know hand in hand for quite some time. So I don't think that this is something new per se. But what I think is really interesting around the dynamics is how much uh, new areas are kind of starting to pop up. And, you know, whether we talk about products, so, you know, you, you've always had LCD screens, and that's always a key component. And you got into video conferencing, and, you, you know, you take a look at direct view LED, and you look at scoreboards, and there's different solutions and different processes. But there's more and more crossover than I think you've ever seen uh, between the different areas. You know, you used to think of video conferencing and you had groups that focused just on video conferencing. And that's kind of moving away. And, you know, you've got 
what you're using right now. You're, you're using a, you know, a quick and easy platform for conferencing, which has changed the dynamic, which moved it, you know, from just a video conferencing solution into lots of different AV applications. Uh, so you've got a big piece on that where I think you're seeing some transition. And then also you're looking at areas, you know, such as data. I mean, everyone talks about big data and what's going on and, you know, what's being collected. So digital signage is core of that, but I also that's happening really on the AV side and, you know, different aspects of what you're looking at, you know, just overall. So I think there's a lot of key components that are starting to merge together. Uh, you know, I, I joke about this 10 years ago, everyone used to talk about IT and AV and does, you know, one take over and, you know, does it all get combined? And yeah, and sure, in certain areas, I think you've seen that, but, you know, digital signage is a part of that. Um, you know, all sorts of different networking platforms are there. You know, Cisco plays across the board, whether it be in digital signage or in scoreboard applications or video conferencing. And you look at companies such as mine, LG, guess what? We play in all of those areas as well. And you start looking at AVISPLs and they're helping to go and integrate solutions in every single one of those as well. So I think you're seeing a lot more of this intersection happen. And really, I think your point of it is, what we had at Digital Signage Week in New York, what you've got going on with DSF and in Nashville, more of these opportunities to have discussions. I think it just helps the overall industry grow. I mean, this is a great, great uh, example right now. We're having a great group panel here, having some conversations about some news that happened this week. I think more and more of this is really good, and I think you'll continue to see that trend. Ron, uh, Gary talked about the, the the crossover here. Where, where, when did that happen? Or in your estimation, uh, I, I, for me, it, it, it crossover happened probably about six or seven years ago when I first started going uh, attending DSE, right? And uh, I, I remember this vividly at, at the time. Megan Dutta worked for for, for Pillars AV. Uh, Megan Dutta she works for for um, SCN now, she's the editor. Uh, but I walked in and, and having a conversation with her. I knew half the folks already, right? I, I didn't realize that going into this, going into the the digital signage segment, that all of my friends were already <laughs> were already there, right? The crossover was already there. Uh, when when do you think that happened from from your perspective? Well, that's uh, that's a good question. I I can remember thirteen, fourteen years ago, just doing just the base digital signage. Um, you know, it was all the players, and it was just it was the displays. And then we started getting a little bit more of the retail space. And that's about the time um, when you started to see a little bit more of this. And while I don't know that that's necessarily some, again, AVS Bell's been doing it, um, <clears throat> but as you saw that crossover go, you know, even as a project manager back in the day, you started looking, it wasn't, again, it was building, to Gary's point, really good comments from that standpoint. Um, you see this, this, this really this crossover and all of a sudden new and exciting opportunities coming through with the digital signage and it wasn't just the standard but we had to find ways uh, in which to actually execute right so part of it we can sell all these great things but it was that newly uh, way in which we you know the engineers were moving a lot doing a lot more with the execution standpoint making sure that we could do we could physically do that because it was a little bit different but I would agree six seven years ago is where you found it um, and just kind of reading through that article and going a little bit deeper in all of the, you know, the out of home, everything, it's an, it's an amazing niche. My, my question is always, you know, as the integrator and, and you have all the different shows and everything, um, where do you, where do you focus your time and efforts? And then it starts to expand more and more. And where's that pull back from maybe 
opportunities that you could be maybe a little bit more in depth. So you, do you have to kind of say, hey, that's where we're going to focus on or do we divide and conquer and go? So I think that's for our marketing folks to figure out from that standpoint. But always something interesting that I thought as you get more and more of the shows and the technology, how do you focus your efforts? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, George, as you from your previous lives in, in working with, with digital signage, you know, where, where do you think the, the industry's headed in the next, in the next year or two? I mean, and Gary mentioned the fact that, that IT was going to eat, was going to eat AV and, and honestly DS, you know, digital signage was a part of that, that concern. And now it's more, yes, IT is there and, and a lot of these systems are running on the network, uh, but the creative and the, and the big data are also a concern. Right. Right. Um, I, you know, originally when I looked at it from where I came from working at a company that that was their sole orbit of, of, of use was that, okay, yeah, it's going to be another vertical. So, Hey, we now do conferences. We do, we do collaboration and we do digital signage. But what I've been seeing for, uh, from our realm is it's actually more of as a service. I know some people are probably going to have heart attacks now because I'm, <laughs> I'm no speaking way. the evil words. <laughs> But if you think about it, it, there's two opportunities for recurring revenue on there, uh, content creation. Um, so if you have a in-house graphics and marketing team or you grow an in-house graphics and marketing team, you can be doing that for some of your smaller clients who don't have that talent on board. Um, Almo and, and other um, distributors have come up with ways where you can actually outsource that um, mm-hmm. and they have that service available. Um, so that's a, that's a great um, solution that you can provide to your to your end users. The other way we're finding is that um, you're in-house already doing the AV solutions for the for the client. So now the client turns around and says, "You know what? I was just over at XYZ company and I saw this great video wall and these these wayfinding and all this stuff. Can you do that?" So now you have a way of doing that. But if it's a larger corporation who happens to have onboard marketing teams who are becoming younger and younger, the more digital. Uh, savvy, you can actually start working with them to help them to develop that service in-house that they can do, you know, the client can do, and you're providing the technology and you come back to refresh the technology on it and, and help them get that message out. So there's a, there's a bit of, of different um, views of, uh, you know, and I've no, I've changed the way I look at it over the years because it's like, originally I thought of it as, Hey, it's a, it's a venue. I'm going to sell a bunch of displays. We're going to hang on the wall. I'm going to put a little PC on there. Or, you know, when I was at in previous life, we built the, you know, we actually built the cases, which you can now buy from peerless with the, with the displays already integrated. You can, you know, you can, um, so it's the, the, the opportunities there to be the solution provider for your, your client is, I think, is, is something that we, we can all find ways to go after. Yeah. Uh, Brandy, I, I mentioned that, that a number of my friends were already in digital signage and you were one of those folks, though. Uh, <laughs> from your perspective, and, you, and you've seen this industry kind of ebb and flow and, and evolve, where do you think that, that this, this, these crossroads are today? Oh, gosh, I've seen uh, so many uh, sort of innovations and you know, I just started with my company, Mad Systems, about six months ago, and I thought I had really kind of seen it all, to be quite honest with you. I'd seen a lot of um, amazing engineered solutions and, and you know, sort of infinite pixel canvases and things to that nature. And I, I would say it would it's pretty hard to blow my socks off. And coming into a company like a Mad Systems, 
Um, yeah, <laughs> literally no socks at this point. <laughs> um, and just when I think I've sort of seen and heard it all, um, more innovations, you know, sort of on the uh, on the roadmap and, and in the pipeline, so to speak. So, you know, from my standpoint, um, you know, we're not a fan of Avos AV as a service. Um, you know, we've got a wireless AV system that um, we can remote in and, you know, kind of fix things. There's really no reoccurring revenue needed um, when you can, when you have that sort of flexibility and capability. Likewise, with what we're doing, um, we've taken sort of the CMS factor and having to recreate content and things like that um, and, um, and, and sort of tailor um, certain situations so that you're, um, you're, you're in ADA compliance. I'll give you an example, you know, um, having the ability to tailor content so that you can bump up the volume or, or um, bring buttons down for somebody who's, you know, um, perhaps in a wheelchair or something along those lines. Um, having the ability through certain, um, you know, servers and, and situations that um, they can just sort of take care of that. And again, you don't have to worry about, you know, down the road having to tweak those sort of things. It's sort of already in place and something that's flexible and has a lot of um, different capabilities. And like I said, the roadmap is kind of infinite at this point with where this is going. Um, but I guess, you know, to answer your question, I really just see more and more innovations. You know, uh, you know we've got great people on the phone uh, on this call like LG. You know, you've got this flexible OLED, you've got wallpaper, you've got transparent things. You know, it's really the products that I think drive where a lot of these, um, you know, places are going, you know, and, and building on those experiences with these really great products that are just so super innovative, you know, kind of like what LG's bringing to the table as well as um, folks like our company. So, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would, uh, Brandy's inside Mad Systems. I'm just the guy on the outside watching her post. And yes, I, I don't have any socks either just from watching them. So, <laughs> <laughs> Stuff, so. all right, folks, uh, that's going to do it. Uh, thank you all so much. Mr. George Fournier from uh, Danker. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Glad, thanks. Glad to, glad to have been here. Uh, thanks for uh, having me come in. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, how do people get a hold of you and or Danker? Uh, Danker you can find online um, at uh, www.dankerdanker.com or uh, on Twitter at Danker1829. Um, 1829 was the year our company was actually founded. Um, and you can find me on the interwebs at George V Fournier, because I wanted to make just the easiest, uh, Twitter handle to figure out. Uh, and also as we head into the holiday season, everyone's doing your fundraisers and things this year. Please remember to use the hashtag AV gives back and we will make sure to, to share your information. Um, you know, our job is to help others help others. So if you, if you tell us about what's going on, we'll make sure we'll get the word out for you as well. Right, yeah. AV gives back and, and follow them on Twitter as well. So, uh, Ms. Brandy Alvarado from Mad Systems again, uh, no socks at all. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? You can find uh, my company at uh, madsystems.com, um, also on Twitter, LinkedIn. I would encourage you to follow us there. We're constantly posting um, information about what we've been doing in our mad lab. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at AV Brandy. A lot easier than George's. I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And if somebody wants to get involved with uh, the woman of Avixa, how do they do that? 
you can actually go on the Avixa website and go to Avixa Women and um, find us there as well, all over the web. All right, very good. Mr. Gary Wicca from LG, thank you, sir. Well, absolutely. I, I think we'll have the easy one here. So LG.com is where you can get to uh, our site. And uh, you can find us as well, you know, Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we're, we're available all those different uh, places. And then if you want to get a hold of myself, my email, Gary, G-A-R-R-Y dot W-I-C-K-A at L-G-E dot com. And that stands for LG Electronics. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Ron Lewis, I am so happy to finally get you on uh, one of these. Ron and I have been talking about talking about this for a couple of years. Uh, so thank you, sir. And how do people get a hold of you or AVISPL if they are so inclined? Well, I appreciate being here. It's, it's good to uh, have an opportunity to just speak with everyone across the board. Um, I, I certainly appreciate the time and, and look forward to future opportunities. Um, AVISPL, that's Alpha Victor India Sam Paul Lima dot com. Uh, we're available again, uh, Facebook, uh, you name it. Uh, we're, out, we're out there. Um, happy to have you check that site out. M my personal email address is ron.lewis. That's L-E-W-I-S, not the city of St. Louis. It's been misspelled quite a bit, but that's okay. Spent five years there. Great place to be. Um, ron.lewis at avispl.com, uh, also on LinkedIn. But the, again, it's, a, it's it's been a pleasure to uh speak with you and, and, and George and Brandy and Gary. Uh, great time. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And, and, and St. Louis is a nice city to fly over. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, I'm from here, so y'all can... Never a flyover state. <laughs> oh, no. it's totally. I, it was interesting. I was in, I was in London a couple of weeks ago and uh, with the uh, folks at, at AV Magazine and explaining to them the concept of a flyover city, a flyover state was was fascinating because, you know, uh, um, they don't have flyover states in, 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 in at least no. not in the UK. Um, maybe once they get Brexit done, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but that was, that's, that was, for, yeah. Um, but thank you all so much. Uh, don't follow me on the Twitters at this point. I will be complaining about the bears and their performance. Uh, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. While you're there, please check out our, uh, our, our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week, our residential show. In about three months' time, all the coverage from ISE 2020 last year in Amsterdam for that. Also, uh, while you're there, I mentioned our next webinar, last one of the year, uh, our, our is actually our first one that will get you CTS renewal units. So CTS RU, you'll get one for hanging out with me and three really smart people when it comes to digital signage, the dynamic data and the stuff that they can do with that. So that happens November 13th, but you can sign up now uh, for that. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>